Blog Talk Radio. The Allen and Aaron Sports Talk Show. The Allen and Aaron Sports Talk Show. Your hosts are here for the show tonight to interview our special guest. A show highlight, the Allen and Aaron Sports Talk Show, the Allen and Aaron Sports Talk Show, football, basketball, baseball, hockey, soccer, boxing, tennis, golf, story. Allen and Aaron Sports Talk Show, the Allen and Aaron Sports Talk Show, tune in for all the news and scores, reporting on the games, and so much more, the Allen and Aaron Sports Talk Show, the Allen and Sports Talk Show, the Allen and Aaron Sports Talk Show, the Allen and Aaron Sports Talk Show. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. It is Friday, May 26, 2023. Welcome to the Allen and Aaron Sports Talk Radio Podcast, presented by our favorite. Chef G's Florida Barbecue Sauce, so delicious and addicting. You may need a support group. This is our uh, Memorial Day weekend special show, of course, as we have uh, the uh, Indianapolis 500 we'll be talking about here this evening, and of course, uh, many, many other categories in the world of sports. And without further ado, my colleague Alan joins us here tonight. Alan, good evening. How are you? How are you? I'm doing fantastic. Thank you for asking. Really glad to be here. And definitely glad to be on the Allen and Aaron Sports Tech Radio Show on a Memorial Day weekend. We're going to have a great time with yourself and Chef G's Florida Barbecue Sauce. Absolutely. And uh, speaking of the barbecue sauce and, of course, uh, a weekend where a lot of people do go out and barbecue, definitely pick yourself up a four-pack. Uh, it's great stuff. And he's got the new, um, the new seasoning as well. So definitely check out the, uh, the website there. Um, if you are on our Facebook page, it's plastered everywhere. So we definitely want to thank Chef G for everything he has um, has done for us over this past year or so, and uh, a continued great sponsorship there and the partnership that he has uh, has had with us. So, um, Alan, we're in the thick of uh, a lot of great things in the sports world right now. We've got uh, Major League Baseball. We're almost a third of the way through the season, believe it or not. Um, the NBA uh, playoffs are in, in uh, full gear, and then, of course, uh, we talked about just a second ago the Indianapolis 500, which is always a great time uh, during Memorial Day weekend. And, of course, we're going to also be joined now here tonight by our good buddy uh, Lou up there in uh, New York, New Jersey. Lou, I think I have you on here. How are you tonight? All right. Thanks. How you been, Lou? What's new All up right. there? <laughs> yeah, well, for starters, for those of you thinking there was going to be a sweep with the heat over the Celtics, uh, wrong. I think you and I knew it wasn't going to happen. I hate to say I told you so. 
Yeah, there's a few I told you so's coming up in this show that I'm going to go over with our great listeners. Yeah. But, yes, we'll talk about that first and foremost. The Celtics and Heat, it really got real interesting. What are your thoughts on that series? Not surprised at all. I mean, because, you know, early on I was expecting, you know, to be, you know, a much closer, a much, you know, tighter series. And, um, you know, the Celtics, you know, they did strike off a little bit, but they had made up, they had made up for it now. You know, now it's becoming an interesting series. I mean, but Miami did suffer a few injuries. I mean, like Tyra Zero, I mean, without him, Tyra uh, Hero, that is. Um, you know, like, you know, the injuries can be a setback for a team that was um, moving along. That's, that's what happened. Miami got injured and lost with the other take advantage of it. So now it's becoming quite a series here. But, you know, you have division rivals going at each other. I kind of knew there wasn't going to be a sweep in this. No, I agree. I, mean, I, I didn't think there was going to be yeah. a sweep, too. I totally agree with you. I'm just surprised the way the series has gone. It's gone three games to none, and then now the Celtics right. are coming on really strong. Do you think they have a shot to pull off and make this four straight in the first time in NBA finals or NBA history? If the Red Sox can do it, why not? <laughs> I was about to say, you know, this would be the, the second – team in, you know, obviously uh, not series in football, but you think about MLB, uh, NHL, and of course the NBA, uh, this would be the, only the second team to ever come back uh, down three games to none on the brink of elimination, and it just so happened it was another Boston team that did it 19 years ago. Well, so, you see, I, I think I dirty Warren in Boston kind of had a problem with, the, with their opponent, so that made the point more there. Oh, no. Okay. Oh, boy. <laughs> For those of you who are under the age of 40 or under the age of 50, Dirty Water was a song back in the 1960s, thank you much. It has to do with Boston. Okay? There you go. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. He, I, you know what? I did not think of it like that. I, you know, you're right. The Red Sox I and did. the Celtics. But, yes, you know, it, the Red Sox did that to the Yankees. Unbelievable comeback. And disgusting. I would say this much. If the Heat do not close it out in the next game, then advantage heavily goes to the Celtics to, to win. Because yeah. I believe if you come back and you tie this series and you're the Celtics, you, in my opinion, already won in a way. You just have to make it official by winning yeah. game seven. Yeah. But coming back and the Heat are really backpedaling right now. But – yeah. Do you think they have what it takes to close out the series, the Heat? Not I don't think so. Like have, no. I don't think so. No, I don't That's think so. Healthy. That's the thing. If you, get, if you get injured in a playoff, your team is going to suffer. You know, that's another thing. You've got you to be healthy or near, or near perfect health uh, to pull off the series. One injury to one certain player to really mess it up. Yeah, I, I agree with that. Aaron? Yeah, I was going to say I agree 100% with what Lou just said there, which is not a very often thing that happens. Normally he and I are kind of butting heads on stuff, but I, I agree. And I, I'm going to throw this out there too. You know, we can talk about Boston and Miami, and I, I think Boston's got a very – I think they have a better chance to come back and win this now than they did down three games to yeah. one with, with winning uh, game five here. My question, though, to both of you is, okay, whoever wins this series, whether it's, you know, Miami winning it in the sixth game or it goes to seven. The answer is no. They can't beat Denver. No. Yeah, I was gonna say, 
you think about how, how, how well Denver has played here the last two series, and you look at how these two teams are basically taking all the energy out of each other, Boston and Miami, who would have a better chance, regardless of what, what game ends this series in the NBA's Eastern Conference Finals, which of those two teams would have a better chance to match up with the Denver Nuggets? Boston. Boston yeah, I agree, I agree with Boston. Lou. I, I think Boston would have a better shot just because they did lint taller. I, I feel as if I, – I agree with you. I agree that I think the Nuggets are probably going to beat both of these teams. I don't think it will be a sweep, though, but I think the other – whoever advances, no. I think, will get a one or two games. That's what I think. They'll get probably two games max, whoever advances. But I, I just think the the Celtics would be the, the more tougher of the com- – of the two teams because of the fact of their length and they do have some playoff experience too. So I just think the exactly. Celtics have something that, that um, can pose some t- difficulty for the Nuggets, but I still think the Nuggets win four games to two. That's a good assessment I'm there. Gonna say, I'm going to say five games. Wow. You, so you're saying they only, so whoever advances is only going to get one game. Yeah. Yeah, I give I give them two at most. I give them two. I, I just think it'll be four games to two, which will be better for the fans because at least you'll have an extra game. You'll have more ticket sales. It'll make it somewhat more interesting. But I think if the Celtics do advance, I could see them winning two games. All right. But ultimately yeah, – Ultimately, you're right. The Nuggets are gonna are gonna are the best team of the three teams left. Oh yeah, yeah. Now to kind of piggyback off the Western Conference Finals, obviously Denver knocks LA out. All this talk here, Lou, the last uh, week or so, or a couple of days, I think it's maybe started Tuesday or Wednesday, is that LeBron is leaning towards retirement. I'm not gonna believe that no. until it actually happens. Is is this now? I'm going to ask this question this way because Alan, you and I have had this conversation probably at least once or twice in the past. Remember a year ago when LA got knocked out of the playoffs, LeBron kind of did his, you know, look at me, look at me. Is this kind of a another way for him to get attention on himself, or is this a story that just is blowing up because of who it, uh, because of who they're talking about? I don't think it's a story that's blowing up just because of the way he. I did hear his press conference. I did hear how his how he was feeling, you got to understand, you just got swept in a playoff series where you were expecting to at least make it to the finals. I know it didn't happen that way, but I think it was a lot of disappointment, a lot of rejection and letdown that, hey, I made it to this point, I got swept. So I think it was emotional. A lot of emotion was talking more than just calm, cool, calm, and collective, just making a determined decision. I don't think he's going to retire. I, I don't buy it. I think he's going to give himself at least another year or two. I do think, though, based on what I – after this press conference and reading through everything he said, I do believe, though, the goal for him to play with his son is more on LeBron than it is on his son. And the fact that it's not as important to his son, that kind of impacts you as a dad. You know, you might have a, you might have a, a goal for your son to be something – but if your kid is not fully vested into it, you kind of lose a little bit of motivation. So what are your thoughts on that? You know, I mean, it's important. And how many, I mean, think yeah. about it in the history of sports, 
uh, not just the NBA, but in the history of sports, how many guys have gotten a chance to play alongside their kid? I mean, I, the only one I can think of right off the top of my head right now, dating back to the late 80s, was Ken Griffey Jr. and Ken Griffey Sr. in Seattle. And yeah. we all remember them going back to back. So it would be a neat thing. I mean, the storyline writes itself there if they do play together next year or the year after. Um, I think it'd be a neat thing to see. It's Like I said, not something you see every day. I do believe it's more on LeBron than it is on his son because his son's future is a lot, has a lot more life left to it. It hasn't even started yet, technically. So, you know, when you think about LeBron, you know, he's at the very end of his career. And you said it best there, Alan. One or two more years is probably the max at this point. This is a guy who has, you know, as much as I have criticized him over the years, myself, he, he does put his body to the max when he's out there playing. And you do that 82 games a year plus the playoffs and then, of course, the preseason. And then the offseason isn't as long as it used to be. It takes a quick toll on you. And I'm sure he's not only, of course, emotionally drained, but very, uh, you know, physically drained yeah. as well. And it probably, you know, as bad as it feels to not be in the postseason anymore at this point, he's probably feeling a little bit better physically right now than he did a couple of days ago, not having to go through and uh, be as physically exerted as he had been you know, throughout the entire postseason and, of course, the entire season as well. Yeah, and that's a great point. And that brings up a question for both of you guys. Do you think LeBron should play another year or two? Lou, I'll let you go first really on that. Got. Say again? That's really all he has. I think he'll play one more year or two, but after that he'll be done. Yeah, I'm going to say this. I, you know, you think about he's the all-time scoring leader. Uh, he has won, what, four or five NBA titles with three different franchises. Of course, uh, he's also lost with three different franchises as well. So uh, that's a, a, maybe the record that you don't want to have necessarily. But here's, here's in my opinion this. He's he got the record. Uh, he, he, he has the record, rather. He has the, the rings. Only thing to play for is the, the opportunity to play with your son and maybe get a chance to win another title. I mean, L.A. is not a team that's going to just become a flop. They have in the past, but with with the talent they have there, I just don't see the Lakers being in a a situation where they're not, at minimum, a team that gets into the playoffs. And when you get to the postseason, you never know what can happen. Look, Denver is in the NBA Finals. That that shouldn't have happened, guys. I think that's something we can all agree on. Nobody saw that coming, right? So, I um, did. Well, of course, Lou did. He he has a crystal ball that we don't have access to. (laughs) Um, oh come on! They're the best team all year. I mean, how could you how could you deny it? Not not something we saw coming in the preseason. Uh, you know, back in in September of last year, I don't think anybody mm-hmm. would have projected that. Well, if you're gonna go by last season, no. But I mean, you know, every year is different. And you know, Nikola Jokic, you know, he has you know really shown why he was the MVP and has carried that team uh, to where they've gotten. So, and this is a this is a big first thing. I mean. I forget if they won any ADA titles, but, uh, you know, they, they have played like, you know, like they have been champs all year, and I don't see it being stopped. Yeah, I think they – and they the fact is they have this uh, probably a week long, maybe a little longer than that, worth of rest that yeah. they're going to get to, and, and that, that's important. You know, if, if, uh, if the yeah. uh, Heat or the Celtics, if they had that same uh, – luxury at this point, then I think they both have a better chance. But I think that the, the fact is you can get guys healthy. Guys are going to be well-rested. 
gives you more flexibility. You're not having to turn right around and travel uh, immediately, all that kind of stuff. That can sometimes be the difference. That's something that you see in all sports. Baseball is a big one on that. Same thing happens, yeah. of course, in, in the NHL. But basketball, you know, and the thing people forget about in basketball, you're running up and down that court for 48 minutes. And so it does take a toll. And now both of those teams in the Eastern Conference Finals, I think kind of what we talked about a minute ago, are going to have a disadvantage because of the fact that the Nuggets have had such a, a long and lengthy uh, time of rest. But, Alan, I want to get back to what the question was you answered or asked there before. I want your opinion on that. Should he stick around another year or two and have a chance to play with his son? And, and if so, is that the only thing he's playing for, or is he playing to, to kind of cement his uh, legacy as a great player? Of course, he's the all-time scoring leader, and maybe get one more ring. I think it's it's playing with his son is probably the biggest motivation, but I think those other things are right behind it. I still think he wants to play and get another ring, and I definitely do think he wants to distance himself further from the pack because you just never know if somebody is a young shooter comes up and, and plays and has a long career. If he plays for another year or two, he's really putting that record kind of out of reach. You understand what I'm saying? Like he just got the record and he got some points above it, but if he plays another year or two, he's really going to put that record kind of at a, at a place where it's going to be very hard for you to break unless you have a very long successful career. I think he should play another yeah. year or two. I think he should play. I don't think he should come in starting the year thinking he's going to win a whole finals. I mean, I know he's going to, he's going to try right. his best, but I just don't, at this point, I just don't feel as if him and the Lakers at his age, he's going to be 39 next year. You got to understand that father time is undefeated. It's amazing to your point, Aaron, that he's been up and down his field up and down the court for over 20 plus years and gone deep in the playoffs for him to be playing as productive as he is. But I do think he should play another year or two. I did say, I did see where if he doesn't play this next next year, he's going to lose over a hundred million dollars. And I know he doesn't need money. He's a billionaire, but a hundred million dollars is still a hundred million dollars. a lot of money for him. Yeah. You just to not play a year, play at least another year or two. And you just never know. Like you said, yes, it might be more LeBron's goal than it is his son's goal. But if you play another year or two, you might be, a, a, you know, right there. Your son might actually play on your team. Even if it's for a month or two, hey, that's really cool, man, that you left in a year that your son played. Whether your son is not as thrilled about it as you are, you never know when you get in that situation, he might be happy about it. You understand what I'm saying? His feeling might change yeah. when the moment is right there. You know, that's what happens with some young guys. They don't see it until it's right in front of them. So I say play another year or two. You really don't have anything to lose. You got swept in this last finals. If you don't make the playoffs the next year or two, it's really not going to hurt your legacy. Go ahead and play. That's my, my thoughts. No, that's a very good take there. Now, I, in, in my opinion, he's going to take it year to year if he plays at all. I would compare this kind of to a little bit of a different situation, obviously, but the last couple of years of Tom Brady playing in Tampa, you know, um, he wasn't going like, hey, I'm going to play five more years. He was going basically year to year. And I see LeBron kind of doing the same thing. Hey, I'm going to, I'm going to take a couple of weeks, maybe even into the summer to determine if I'm going to keep playing or not. Don't make an emotional decision. I've always said that. Don't make a decision based right. on your emotions. Because right now, 
his emotions are leaning towards, well, I'm hanging it up, I'm done, I'm never playing again. You gotta let everything settle. You gotta let the NBA finals play yeah, out. Well, you're supposed to get the best of me either. Yeah, and, and, and yeah, exactly. And, and also at the same time, don't let your future career or lack thereof potentially distract the NBA fans from, you know, the, 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 the finals that are coming up here. And in my opinion, it would almost be disrespectful for him to, to do that. I think it would be better for him to wait. Don't become the center of attention. Let it go out a month or maybe even two months. Get into July. Get into maybe even August and then make that decision. Now, you don't want to leave the Lakers hanging because they may want to do something different if he decides to, to hang it up. But from everything I've heard and everything I've been reading the last two or three days, L.A. looks like they want to try to you know bring in some more talent around him and take, give it another shot next year. So we'll have to wait and see what happens. Yeah, give it another year. And uh, to your point, Aaron, Yeah, at least. Def- definitely do not. That's in life. That's some of the worst decisions you can make is an emotional decision. Absolutely. Try to clear your head, especially, you know, yes, an emotion. You got swept, right? And that's already tough. Then you're going to have, you know, a few weeks after that, you're going to see another team getting all the shine, celebrating, champagne, parades. That's another thing that yeah, adds yeah. to it. So this is all buying into an emotional decision. Take some time off, to your point, way after the finals. Don't even think about who won because it's not going to be you, of course. Take some time off and see if you really want to play. And to me, if I'm LeBron, you know, I take some time off, but I'd come back and play. Why lose $100 million that you're already guaranteed to get if you play? There's nothing you gain at this point, I think, at retiring. You already got swept. You know what I mean? Yeah. Just go ahead and keep playing. Continue to pad your stats. I mean, don't, don't, I mean, don't play just to get stats, but play to go ahead and compete. They're going to surround some more peace with you, which I think is the right move. Give it another year or two, like you said, because you just never know what can happen. A team can have an injury. They can get cold. You never, you never know when it's going to be your year. That's the thing. No. But you just never know. You keep grinding. Before you know, you're like, hey, I'm in the playoffs. Hey, we're, we advanced. I didn't think we were going to beat that team, but we did. You, things could fall your way. And it would do him wonders if he does get another ring. I will say that much. It won't, if he doesn't get a ring, I feel as if he's, got, he's playing with fool's gold. If he doesn't get a ring, no one's really going to really knock him that much already. He doesn't have the greatest finals record. But if he gets a ring, yeah. hey, you know what I mean? Yeah, no, that's a very good point there. Well, one of the things I wanted to mention before, um, you know, one of the things hockey game, I mean, between the Panthers and the Hurricanes out, that I did not expect all of them to be swept. And then you find out that, you know, they, they gave up the tying goal, 40 seconds left in regulation, so Nashville thought we were going to overtime. Little did we know that Florida had something to their sleeve, and they scored the goal with four and a half seconds left in regulation. I was just stunned. Never over till it's over. Yeah, but how do you expect that? I mean, nobody said that. You know, you score with a minute left in regulation, and then your opponent, you know, retire the game, and then Florida just gets it in with four seconds left. I did not see that coming. Yeah, I know, right? Wow. But at least we got something to watch tomorrow, so it's not a total loss at all. 
That's right. And you got a lot of things going on tomorrow. You got the big show. What do you, what do you got cooking on your show? Well, of course, we're going to keep tabs on both of the uh, conference finals as we get down to the down to the final games here. Uh, we'll also recap the PGA slash LAV uh, championship. Uh, I think you know what I mean by that, of course, right? PGA slash LAV. Ooh. Also, we have. We're also going to cover the. Um, well, we're going to preview the Indy 500 as well. Also going to take a look at um, MLB, uh, USFL football, as that's getting now into the later stages of the the season. Um, If any WWE or UFC news, of course, comes in, I'll take it. Oh, we'll recap the previous as well. And we'll have our regular features. Oh, yeah, also the French Open. We'll also have our regular features like the uh, Ridiculous Time of the Week at Sports Trivia This Week in History, and our monthly feature, The Best and Worst Moments of This Past Month. So if you got time between 4 and 6 p.m. tomorrow afternoon, dial the following number, 512-543-4662. I'll repeat that again, 512-543-4662. And don't forget, we're on YouTube. So go to YouTube, Medellin, The Enhanced Sports Show, and you'll see uh, from the previous uh, few weeks. And, of course, my show is tomorrow. If you want to check it out tomorrow, uh, check it out after the show. That'd be a lot better. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, and uh, that's what I got. And, of course, we keep going. And, of course, happy Memorial Day uh, weekend to everybody out there. Um, you know, hope you enjoy your celebration. But take time to remember why we celebrate. There you go. 512 543 512 Yep, 4 to 6 Eastern Standard Time Zone. The Enhanced Sports Show. And don't forget the YouTube channel, Enhanced Sports Show. Definitely Lou's got a lot growing on for a great show for you on Memorial Day weekend. So make sure you support him. We really appreciate Lou all the time here on the Allen and Aaron Sports Great Show Show. All right, fellas. Thanks. You're welcome. Our pleasure, and definitely thank you so much, Lou. Appreciate you. You got it. Thanks a lot, guys. You're welcome. All right, our good buddy Lou. I always appreciate his uh, uh, input and uh, taking some time out of his night to uh, join us here on the program. Uh, Again, our show tonight is uh, brought to you, of course, by Chef G's Florida Barbecue Sauce, so delicious and addicting. You may need a support group. Moving right along here, he kind of – Kind of gave us uh, the next subject to talk about here tonight. It is Memorial Day weekend. Uh, it's kicked off tomorrow. Um, Indianapolis 500, uh, the greatest spectacle in racing, as they call it. The Brickyard there in Indianapolis, Indiana. It's a tradition every year. Some of the traditions have changed down over the years. Uh, you know, it used to be, um, you know, where you'd have uh, Gomer Pyle. I'm trying to think of the actor's name. He used to sing... Uh, Back home again in Indiana, and of course he passed away a few years ago, so they have a different group each year that usually sings the song. It's a very traditional thing going back uh, over 100 years uh, for this race. Obviously, they took some time off during each of the World Wars, uh, you know, back in the uh, early 1900s and, of course, the 1940s. Um, This one has as much tradition in it as any American sport, baseball included, um, I always look forward to it every year. You know, you have qualifying day, and I actually got a chance to watch a little bit of that here earlier in the week where you had uh, 
Graham Rahal, who's uh, the son of Bobby Rahal, who was a great racer back in the 80s and 90s, he got bumped on the very last qualifying by a teammate by, get this, less than 10 uh, tenths of a second. Uh, so I think it was 0 .09 uh, as far as his average speed, rather, um, that bumped him out. So a lot of excitement there. And, of course, disappointment on the other end for Graham Hall being knocked out. But you talk about these cars that are going 230, 235 miles an hour around a two-and-a-half-mile track. It's a lot of fun. It's a very exciting time, and I'm looking forward to it. Uh, tell me what Indy means to you on your side. Yeah, you're right. It has a lot of tradition to it, and definitely Memorial Day weekend. It's a great race. You know, I I went to the Indianapolis 500 Museum. It's it's something to really see and learn a lot. And these these races, you're right. They've been around for a while. These race cars have actually been around before the Titanic. That, <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. crazy. But if you go to a museum, you'll actually see cars that are actually that predate the titanic and it's a really cool race and believe it or not for the people who don't know the indy cars go faster than the nascar cars they top the top speed in the nascar is around 200 miles an hour these go up to about 230 to 240 it's very fast it's a lot of fun the race you know it got me thinking not that the kids this was the official last week of school if, you know, definitely thanks to Anthony Bristol for hooking us up because he's going to give us, he's covering the event, the Indy 500, and he's going to give us a lot of film and pictures. I know he's going to do a fantastic job. He's a fantastic photographer. His camera is actually stronger and more powerful than mine. And he's going to do something special and give us some pictures. He's going to get all the video and photo credit. But it made me think... You know, what I know where this is going. Like, he's going to send me those pictures. It made me think, could I make and should the Allen and Aaron Sports Talk Radio Show make this event next year? It isn't out of the realm of logistics. But, you know, it might be tough to, to get the days before the race, before Friday. But it might be something to be thinking about. What are your thoughts on it? Sign me up. That's all I'm going to say. Sign <laughs> me up. <laughs> I've been I've been wanting to go for as long as I can remember, and you know my parents actually they lived actually uh, not not in Indianapolis or in, in Indiana for that matter, but they actually were there back in the 70s, um, might have been the early 80s, going through, and they went to one of the qualifyings, and I, my dad has always talked about he wants to get back there, so I think it's it's kind of the writing's on the wall. I think this is going to happen, if not next year, the year after for sure. I think it's certainly going to be a big event. Um, a little bit more involved going to it than Daytona, just because Daytona, you know, both both of us are in Central Florida. Daytona is in our backyard, essentially. Indianapolis is uh, is you know hours and hours away, probably a flight to get there, uh, type of thing. But a very fun weekend. Uh, like I said, there's so much tradition, and I, I want to uh, correct something I said earlier. Jim Neighbors was uh, the, the one who played Gomer Pyle, of course, back in the the 60s. He was the one who used to sing "Back Home Again" in Indiana. Uh, he passed away, I want to say, maybe 10 years ago. And so since then, that song has been performed by, I believe, a, a number of different artists uh, there uh, at the Speedway on race day. The, 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 the coverage just leading up to it is, is always fun to watch, too. 
because they always inevitably play uh, highlights of past races. Um, I'm going to tell you right now, Alan, who I'm pulling for, even though I know this may very well be his last race, or at least one of the last races he does, is four-time winner Helio Castroneves. You know, he, he won it two years ago for the fourth time. There's only been four four-time winners in the history of this event. So if he can get a fifth one, that would be a record. It would be like Tom Brady when he won his fifth Super Bowl kind of a thing. So um, I'm definitely pulling for him. Tony Kanaan, this is his final Indianapolis 500. He's been in this 22 or 23 years now. Um, he's one of the veteran racers of this circuit. And so he, uh, he announced he'll be retiring. This will be his final race. Uh, good luck to him as well. I'm looking forward to it. Um, going to be grilling out some food and uh, using some Chevsky's barbecue sauce too, by the way. So <laughs> it's going to be a great weekend. Yeah, it certainly is. And definitely make sure that you get that Chevsky's Florida barbecue sauce at flbbqsauce.com, flbbqsauce.com. But yeah, having great barbecue with watching the race, nothing better than that. And yeah, Helio Castaneves, he has a great opportunity to win it. You know, and you're right. A year, maybe next year, the year after, the Allen and Aaron Sports Talk Radio Show could very well make this event. And I, I definitely do think, you know, it's a matter of us more than it is them. You know, that's where we got to really thank the fans and the support that you guys give us that we have that flexibility where, yeah, I, I don't see us having any issue with getting the the credentials to go. But I, I, don't, I never want to commit to something that I'm not fully committed to, meaning I don't do half in, half out. If I'm going to go to this event, I'm going to go, make it the most of it, enjoy it, give you guys the best coverage. So as long as – and the fact that it is the last week of school and then you have the weekend and then the race, well, the, you know, the weekend it starts and everything, I think, you know, it, logistically you could do it. It could be done. Yeah, no, it, it definitely is going to take some planning in advance. But, yes, it is certainly something that can be done, and I think it will be done. We will see this, uh, I can pretty much say, very, very certainly in the next uh, one to two years. Yeah, I, I agree. I agree. I could see us doing it in the next year to two because, you know, the fact that it's on a, a weekend that doesn't, you know, we can go ahead and barbecue there. You know what I mean? <laughs> we can enjoy great stuff like that there. And it's, and it's a good, great weekend because it doesn't kind of counteract or have a conflict with something else we're covering. So that's going to be a great opportunity. And, yes, I think those they have a shot to win this race. It's a fun race. I would love to to be there and watch it. I mean, it is, it is something that we've done races before at the Allen and Aaron Sports Talk Radio Show. Why not? You know what I mean? What are some of the special guests that show up for the Indy 500 that you are excited about seeing or that you've seen in the past? Well, it's kind of similar to Daytona. You know, it's, it's a, it's a red carpet event and you've got a lot of, you know, the big thing about IndyCar, just like NASCAR, uh, is that you've got some celebrity owners. I mentioned uh, Bobby Rahal uh, there at the very beginning of the show and or at the very beginning of us talking about the race. And uh, he actually co-owns, uh, team with David Letterman, uh, of course, formerly a late night host on CBS for 30 or so years. So, uh, you know, um, people like David Letterman, 
you've got a lot of international people who come in, as I mentioned a week or so back. IndyCar is a very international sport. You have a lot of drivers from all around the world. You get guys from, of course, the United States. You get guys from Australia, New Zealand, Japan, a lot of the South American countries, um, Colombia and, you know, Chile and, and those areas of, of the South American uh, continent, of course. So it, it really, there's a lot of people, some of them we may not know because they may be famous in the country they're from, but as far as local celebrities, um, I know that, uh, or U- U.S. celebrities, if you will, I know that uh, Ashley Judd used to show up because her husband, I forget who he was, he, he was a driver. They, they have since divorced, of course. This is probably 15 years ago, but she used to show up and um I'm sure we'll be able to point out other famous people in the crowd during the race on Sunday as you'll uh, turn on. The race starts right at noon, I believe. And then if you're watching the coverage from like 10 or maybe 11 on, I can pretty much assure you, you'll see a lot of big names in Indianapolis, of course. Wouldn't be shocked if uh, the brother of that guy you interviewed recently, that that Manning brother, uh, Peyton, yeah, if he showed up there too, given that it is in Indianapolis, I wouldn't be shocked if he was there as well. Yeah, you're right. I mean, you know, when you go to these big events, they're cool for the celebs to show up. You're right, and NASCAR didn't disappoint, and you're right, Indy 500 won't disappoint either, you know. it. That's the really cool thing about these events is that celebrities are fans just like me and you, and that's the, the thing. And, and you're right, there are some people who have a step further. They've gotten invested into it and made investment, you know, you have celebrities such as Michael Jordan, Pitbull. I mean, that's NASCAR, but they get involved, you know, and more coming. They even asked Charles Woodson, who was at the Daytona 500, not this year, the last year. And they asked him if he's thinking about maybe owning, and he didn't rule it out. He said, I would have to talk more with Emmett Smith and Michael Jordan and he said, you, you know, I'm an entrepreneur. Why not? You know, he didn't knock it down. He was, he was interested, but he just needed more information. And I'm sure that's how it starts. So it's a lot of great things that are going to be happening at the Indy 500. I'm excited. I'm excited. I, I can't wait to see these pictures. Again, big props to Anthony Bristol in advance. He's, gonna, he's covering the event, a good friend and a former guest of our show. And he's going to provide us with a lot of the pictures and a lot of insight. I know he's going to do a fantastic job because you have met him and I've met him and mm-hmm. you know, he, he gets, he gets access. Not only does he get access, but he goes places that some photographers are not willing to go and some don't get approved to go. For example, he went up on the roof of NASCAR. You can't just, even though I had photo credentials, you need to have another level of photo credential to get on the roof. So there are some limitations, even when you get credentials and he was up there. He was able to do it. Yeah, definitely a perspective that not many people are going to see. Um, and, of course, to be able to share those photos with the rest of us is really cool as well. So uh, now I mentioned something there before. I got to ask you about this because we didn't see this um, from even my side or the fan side here. You got to, to talk to and, and do a, a quick interview with uh with eli manning here uh when you were out in dallas a few weeks back tell us a little bit about that yeah definitely gotta thank the xfl the orlando guardians for providing the Allen and aaron sports greater show that opportunity you know it was it was one of those things that we were going you know i was going to the 
San Antonio, which is about four hours away from four and a half hours away from Arlington. In route, they had sent me an email. You know, I check my emails regularly, which is a great thing. They sent an email saying that, hey, you know, which I don't think they thought was going to make it, but they said, hey, there is going to be seven people inducted into the Cotton Bowl Hall of Fame, which included Eli Manning and Coach Buckley and Tony Temple and others. And they were like, well, it's in Arlington, Texas. If you're interested in going, please let us know. Click on this link. And and I was like, and I thought about it. And I was like, you know what? You let me know early enough that I could, I was just going to stay in San Antonio and just hang out. I said, you know what? I could actually make it. And lo and behold, I sent them an email saying I can make it. And they made things happen because the registration was closed. And they said, you got the green light to go. So I was like, all right. And I got a chance to ask Eli Manning. I got a chance to meet him and interview him. They had it set up so that you could. You had They had a lot of time, which is really cool for everybody to be interviewed. And I, I basically asked them about the Cotton Bowl, making it to the Cotton Bowl Hall of Fame. Also, since... We have great connections and great friends at Spurrier's Gridiron Grill in, in Gainesville. We had inside information that he went, you know. So yeah. I asked him about that, that experience. You know, we had something in common. So I asked him about that, making it to Hall of Fame. And Eli Manning was really cool, man. I think, you know, I could have asked him some more questions, but I wanted to kind of keep it centered around him and his celebration at the event rather than talking about about you know the helmet catch and getting sidetracked on that i kind of wanted to to get his perspective on his moment him getting in, enshrined and i wanted to keep it on that what are your thoughts on that well i mean just a neat interview in general um i, I got to watch it of course earlier this week i think it was uh wednesday or third it might have been last night that you posted it um yeah. it's a, a neat thing i mean how how many times are you going to get a chance to do something like that and i know uh, a year ago, you got a chance to do kind of a similar interview in a different, different, uh, another college football great, and that was, of course, uh, Emmett Smith there in Daytona. So, um, you know, you never know who you're going to run into, and I know you were probably a little more prepared for it because you got the email and they said who was going to be there, so you had some time to maybe think over what you might say or what you might ask. But how neat is that? I mean, that is such a, a you know, kind of a spur of the moment thing, so to speak, and. And, you know, that's the cool thing about what we've been able to do on the show is run into some people that we probably wouldn't have otherwise. So we're going to keep up the great work here. We're going to keep delivering that excellent content to our fans. I know that they really appreciate and like it. And, you know, hopefully we can keep, uh, keep uh, you know, trucking along and doing this uh, for a long time to come. Absolutely. I'm, I'm really excited. I, I can't thank yourself, Aaron, and all the fans and the support and and it's just, that's how it is. Things like that happen by just, you know, you get blessed by these opportunities. You know, I didn't, I didn't expect to me to go and, and meet him either. I was going, you know, four and a half hours away in the other side of Texas. And you know what? I was like, I should go to this and I should. And I, you know what? Yes, it was a long drive and it was out of the way, but I'm glad I am super, super thrilled and glad that I went because you're right. You know, you got to take advantage of these opportunities when they're presented to you because I would have probably never got a chance to meet Eli Manning, you know, and 
it was great because you know he was he was kind of like in the mode and to answer questions he would have answered even some more if I asked him more but that was great and I'm just flattered that you're right you just never know who you're going to meet you got to be prepared and and in life I would just say when you love to do what you do sometimes opportunities just come to you when you keep putting yourself out there now, one of the things that I would have asked him, and this is, is me being prepared and, you know, having thought about it out for days and days in advance, you know, think about it. he won two Super Bowls and he beat Tom Brady in both of those Super Bowls. He's the only quarterback who could say he beat Tom Brady twice in a Super Bowl. That's a pretty remarkable thing. In fact, I started to think about this uh, last night or the night before. Think about some of the all-time greats and who they had to beat in the Super Bowl. Joe Montana beat two Hall of Fame quarterbacks. He beat John Elway and he beat Dan Marino. Um, I'm not sure who all the quarterbacks were that, that Terry Bradshaw beat with the Steelers back in the 70s. I know there's a couple of appearances against Dallas. Um, and I want to say Minnesota was one of the teams they played in the Super Bowl back then, before my time, of course. So forgive me for not knowing all the uh, <laughs> all the opponents there. But you think about great quarterbacks and measuring up against who they beat in the big game, that's a pretty big pretty big name right there to have beaten Tom Brady twice in the Super Bowl. It is, you know, that is a remarkable achievement. And I did get a chance to, that is just phenomenal that he beat Tom Brady twice. And not only that, the way he beat him with those throws, I mean, he made some amazing throws. People could say whatever they want to say about Eli, but he made some extraordinary throws in both games to go ahead and get that win. And he won two Super Bowls. I looked at his resume. He got the Walter Payton Award. He also has the Bart Starr Award. Like you said, to your point, he has two rings and two Super Bowl MVPs. They retired as number 10 for the Giants. Cotton Ball Hall of Fame. I'm really surprised that he hasn't got that Hall of Fame call yet. Surprise on that because his resume is very impressive. What are your thoughts on him making it to the Hall of Fame? Well, he's going to the Hall of Fame. He hasn't been out long enough to be able to get, get the call yet. I, I believe there's a five-year waiting period, just like there is in Major League Baseball. So let's see. Eli Manning retired. I want to say it was after the 2018 season, but I could be wrong. Let's see here. Looking up his um, – information right now so he yeah he 2019 was his last year so he's only been out for three seasons or three years now i guess four years now technically so he's got another year before he's eligible he'll be a first ballot hall of famer no question you look at his numbers the two super bowls certainly help out the two mvps help out um former number one overall pick that doesn't have any real weight as far as whether you're going to get a hall of fame uh, uh call or not but you look at his statistics over that over that uh 17 years he played in the NFL, or uh, 16 years he played in the NFL. Um, let's see here. 366 touchdown passes. That's pretty remarkable. Just a bit over 57,000 passing yards in his career. And not that passer rating is really a huge statistic in my opinion. Um, 84.1 overall passer rating for his career. That's pretty remarkable. I really thought at the time that he retired, he could have, because the Giants were kind of a, a lackluster team at the point that he that he hung him up. He could have gone and played somewhere else for a year or two and maybe had another opportunity um, to win. But I think he wanted to go out 
being a giant in his whole career, and that's exactly what he did. A lot of people don't remember this, though. He was actually originally drafted by the San Diego Chargers and then uh, subsequently traded to the Giants, uh, I believe it was the day after. That was back in 2004. Yeah, I, that's something I did not forget because that was a fiasco. I mean, that that yes, drama was. with that, that was a rough way to start an NFL career because, you know, he, him and his dad said, Chargers don't draft us. And they basically didn't listen to him, and they drafted him anyway. And he got traded well, later in that day. And they made the right choice on that. I, I would have done the same thing that the Chargers did. And the reason why – you had the, the, the card. I mean, you, you had all the leverage in your hand at that point. Now, I suppose you could have traded the pick, and maybe it would have worked out a little bit differently. But, look, this is a guy that many other teams other than the Giants wanted. So if you're the Chargers, you make that draft or you make that, you make that, uh, uh, that trade after you draft him, and you get the pieces you want for down the road. Now, unfortunately for San Diego, of course, they're now in L.A., it didn't work out in the long term. They didn't win a Super Bowl. They had some really, really good teams with Philip Rivers there. Of course, uh, the late Marty Schottenheimer led them to a 15-1 and record. And, I mean, they were a, a dominating force for a while. You had uh, um, superstar running back. I mean, you had all the pieces there. You had some great players on both sides of the football. And, unfortunately, it just never panned out in the way – that you thought it would. In fact, uh, Marty Schottenheimer is, if I'm not mistaken, I think he is the winningest coach to never coach in a Super Bowl. He had some really good teams in the in the in the 80s with the Browns, in the 90s with the Chiefs, in the early to mid 2000s with the Chargers. He had that one year in Washington that was just kind of a fiasco and a disaster. And our good buddy Steve Spurrier took over for him um, uh, right after he left, I believe, uh, in 2002. So, um, but. Uh, you know, just goes to show you, you know, I don't think many people thought the Giants with Tom Coughlin being their coach, he had been somewhat successful in Jacksonville. I don't think a lot of people thought he was going to be the guy who would lead them to, uh, you know, winning two Super Bowls over Tom Brady and the, the Patriots. But, uh, of course, he did. And, and Eli Manning played a big part of that. And, of course, again, he was the number one overall pick selected back in 2004. Yeah, I looked at his resume, and I I definitely do think – that yeah he's he's gonna he's gonna make it to the hall of fame and he should make it to the hall of fame his numbers are very very good i'm hoping he makes it so we'll see what happens but we do have a call on the line let's go ahead and take that call welcome to the Allen and sports radio show how you doing hey uh let's talk about how michael jordan never had a high scoring game in his life ever okay all right, so like 69 is right. That's his highest scoring game, right? I believe I, so. Yes. Jordan's highest. Right, 69 is his highest scoring game, right? Okay. Yep. Yeah, that's not top 10. <laughs> yeah. We're gonna have Aaron do the fact checking, but yeah, I mean, you know what, Michael Jordan, you're right. He may not have had the the. the Highest scoring game. He never even. He never had. He never had a goat season either. Thirty-seven point one, right? Yeah, that's not. That's not. That's, that's barely top five. Because Will Chamberlain has four seasons better than that. So you and think that's your LeBron goat? is better? No, I said Will Chamberlain. Oh, okay, Will Chamberlain. Will, 
yeah, has four seasons better than Michael Jordan's best season. That's trash. Am I right? 37.1 better than 37.7, yes or no? If it's not trash confirmed. <laughs> I don't think I don't think that makes Michael Jordan trash. I mean, be grief the guy won sixty. He is trash. Like he never had a high scoring game. He never had a goat season. He only has he has zero seventy point games where Chamberlain has six. Trash confirmed. Got you there. Well, I'm, as, I'm far, six, as, as far as as far as six as far as sixty point games, Jordan is on the same level as James Harden. They both have four. Well, Chamberlain has 32. Trash confirmed. Got you there. So, yeah, I, I just confirmed here, March 28, 1990, against the Cleveland Cavaliers, Michael Jordan scored 69 points. That is uh, yes, that, on this, that's, that's not top 10. Game. That's not top 10. That's trash. So, so let me ask you this, because I, I, I get where you're coming from. Let, let me ask you this. Uh, because he didn't have a game where he scored, let's say, 75 or 80 points, that doesn't make him one of the greatest players of all time? No. Wow. Where Chamberlain is better. Like, right. That's not, not, not the GOAT. D- different different era. I would argue different era. Wilt Chamberlain never played the same time Michael Jordan played. Different different era, different time. Oh, like when Michael Jordan played the 96-97 Celtics, that team had 15 and 67. He couldn't even score 40 on them. You were saying? I'm not sure how that makes it, him. I, I'm just trying to understand where your where your thought process is on how that. I'm just I'm just saying like player. it doesn't matter the error. Like he was always trash. Like it doesn't matter the competition. He never had a high scoring game. Is a 15 win team a good game? Like a, is that a good team? A team that went 15 and 67. Is that a good team? No, it's definitely not a good team. I wouldn't wouldn't disagree with you there. All right, and he couldn't score 40 on them. Didn't Kobe score 81 versus a 24-win team? Didn't, didn't uh, David Robinson score 73 or 71, right? So it doesn't matter, it doesn't matter like, and you, can, you can't say, like, oh, David Robinson or Kobe Bryant. You can't say they're better because Michael Jordan has more 50-point games. Like, he has 31. They don't, they're not close to that. But Will Chamberlain has 118. So trash confirmed. So you're saying Jordan? Well, no, no, no. I, I just, I just want to try to understand it. Am I lying? Am I lying? No, no. Those Am are, I lying? Those are, uh, no, I'm, I, what I'm trying to say here is those are points that I have to look up to see exactly. So, so, so like we've already established that no matter, no matter the, the, the competition, Michael Jordan was never good enough. Well, I'm gonna right, six and, disagree. Six and zero, six and zero, right? John mm-hmm. Havlicek is eight and zero. Trash confirmed. All right. Well, thanks for the call tonight. Appreciate it. I disagree with you, but I appreciate you calling. I mean, yeah, we'll, we'll try to dismantle anything I said. You're going to look it up, and it's all there. It wasn't good enough. So we have this from a fan in a 901 area code that Michael Jordan, apparently, folks, was not good enough. But uh, definitely appreciate you calling. Alan, what are your thoughts on that? You know, it's an interesting take. I I do think when it comes to basketball, it is a team game. And it's how you play in that system. Getting all the points in a game, sometimes it sounds good on stats. I agree. But it's not the end-all, be-all to whether you're the GOAT or not. I think you have to 
be a guy that can score, but you also have to facilitate and play within a system to make the guys around you better. What are your thoughts on, on, on that? Well, I mean, let's, let's think through this a little bit more logically than just let's point out a couple of games that a guy scored points on. That's not relevant from what that gentleman was trying to tell us. The, the point he was trying to make is, oh, I just want to throw out trash. This guy apparently is a Jordan hater, which is fine. You don't have to like him. Not everybody likes Michael Jordan. I know that. So I'm not worried about that part of it. But to, to use a, a few games or Wilt Chamberlain who played 20 years before Michael Jordan played, that's an irrelevant argument. It's a different era. has nothing to do with the 84 to 98 or 99 that Jordan played. And then, of course, the, the one or two years he played in the early 2000s. You can't compare those two things together. The other side of that, too, is this. And I like how this guy's making me think here a little bit to pull up some additional points. The fact of the matter is, and you pointed it out there just a moment ago, Jordan was not a selfish player. He was a team player, and he had some other really great scorers on his team. Um, I think you could make the argument maybe against that for some of the other uh, comparisons that gentleman was making. So what a, what a, what a joke of an argument. Um, but nice try. I appreciate it. I think we confirmed trash on him. So we'll move right along with the rest of our show here tonight. Yeah, definitely. And um, in fact, well, hang on. I, I, I got to throw this in there real quickly, though, here. Hold on one second. Um, just just to, to, you know, appease him a little bit here. Let me make sure I can find it. Let's see. We may not have the sound effect anymore. <laughs> I think we may have we may have taken it out of our uh, circulation here, but um, no, it's not there, unfortunately. I would give him a standing ovation with a clap, but I don't think that's uh, appropriate here at this point. That was a total, total uh, bogus argument. I've never heard anything so bizarre in my life. So, still got the clap. And for those of, uh, for those of you who heard him refer to it as the clap, that's probably not the right the right thing to call it here. But uh, yeah, the, the applause I think is probably the better way to to uh, to uh, approach that one. But um, but yeah, what a joke of an argument. Um, it almost seemed like a prank call, Alan. I know we had one of those here back uh, towards the end of last year. This one was probably a little bit better. Um, wasn't quite as insulting, but um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and 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 the thing is, it's all good. I'm not the biggest Jordan fan. I know a few people who I'm, I can personally tell you somebody who's a huge fan and I know people who are huge fans of Jordan. I'm not the biggest fan of Jordan, not because of, of his play. It's just, you know, I'll have to talk about this another topic, another time, but even me not being the, the biggest fan, I still believe that Jordan is one of, one of the goats to play this game. I, I definitely think he's, if not the GOAT, he is definitely one of the GOATs that played basketball. And I'm not saying it as a fan of Jordan. I'm just saying that objectively. And that even goes into play with my question to you, which I wanted to ask you, did getting swept in the playoffs hurt LeBron James' legacy? Um, I, you know, I think if, if, if he was – limping around on the court and I, I know we talked about this a week or so ago with the the missed dunk that certainly wasn't a good look but you know he's got so much that he's been successful at I don't think it really hurts him that badly I think if he was out there scoring 12 points a game on average for the entire season and the Lakers missed the playoffs by 15 games that's going to be more of a tarnish on your 
legacy than giving it your all. And as much as I'm not a, I'm not a big fan of LeBron. I think I've been pretty clear on that over the last several years. I, I think he's an amazing athlete, an amazing player. Um, and I think he went out there and gave it everything he had. And kind of like we talked about before, sometimes you, you, you come up against a better opponent who's more prepared, maybe a little bit more youthful than you are. Um, I think the Lakers were a little bit over uh, overrated this year. I think that probably had a little bit to do with it. If this is LeBron 10 years ago, it's a different story. There's no question it's a different story. So, um, you know, I think it's interesting how um, obviously the comparisons are going to be made from now until the end of time. They've been going on for 10 or 12 years now already, maybe even dating back to when he was a rookie 20 years ago. Um, but no, I just, to me, this wasn't a bad enough thing for it to, to tarnish his legacy. I just don't see that. Um, you know, he, he put everything, every last bit of effort into it. And, you know, unfortunately for him and for L.A., it didn't work out. I agree. You know, I do give – I'm like you. I totally agree. I give him some credence on this one. Is it – does it hurt his legacy? I don't really – slightly maybe, but not really much because you're right. You have to put this into – to perspective the man is 38 years old he's going to be 39 for him to be as productive as he is it's astonishing you know and plus he's not a guy who just got into playoffs for the first couple years he's been living in the playoffs so his season is a lot longer than most guys and you know yes it it hurts that he got swept i remember we said on the show when he missed that dunk i had a feeling this probably was going to happen. If not swept, he was going to, it was going to be four and one maybe. But I had a feeling it wasn't going to be good when he missed that dunk in game two. So you're right. You, you're up against an opponent that's clicking on all cylinders. They got lint. They're youthful. And he did great in games, but he just didn't finish well. And that comes with age. And I, I – I don't think it hurts his legacy that much. We already know that even if he went and let's say he got a final ring, he still, if you're comparing him to Le- to Jordan, he's still in most people's eyes is still behind Jordan, even if he got a ring. And I just think him getting swept, it's unfair that people kind of jumped on him and, and use this as a way to kind of tarnish him. I'm for one, when he did talk about, you know, maybe, calling it a wrap at the end of the, the press conference, I did say to myself, I thought for a second, how would, this, how would it look like without LeBron? And as much as people don't like LeBron, be, and I think it's not really all LeBron's fault, the reason why I think it's, it's not, I think people are territorial. They want to put Jordan in that category as GOAT. And then you have this guy who's getting in the conversation. I still don't think he's a past Jordan, but he's in the conversation. I think that automatically built hatred towards LeBron just because he's in the same context as Michael Jordan. It's not fair to LeBron, but he gets the brunt of that. I did say to myself this, if he does call it a, you know, a career this year or next, I'm still going to miss the guy because the guy comes there. He's a great ambassador for basketball in most cases on, on every night of the flopping stuff and the complaining and all that other stuff and, hey, this person needs to be ejected. Yeah, I don't agree with that. But you know what? The guy's a baller. Leave him alone. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, I mean kind of what you said there, too. You know, you think about 
there are people who are going to make this argument on one side or the other. You and I grew up watching Jordan. Jordan was obviously in the prime of his career when we were growing up. And you have the younger generation who watched LeBron. They're basically watching their version of Jordan. So that argument's never going to – it's kind of, in my opinion, sometimes pointless to debate it because you're not going to change somebody's mind most likely, even throwing statistics out there. Just like the gentleman from Memphis who called us a few minutes ago, he apparently has a, a vendetta against Michael Jordan and wants to say that his whole career was garbage, blah, blah, blah. blah. Um, he apparently has a, a different take on things. I'd like to know you know, maybe who he is a fan of. Um, I, I don't know if it was Will Chamberlain or somebody else, but you know, you're not going to – once your mind is made up, I guess is what I'm saying, once your mind's made up, you're not going to change it. I think that's, it's pretty, pretty hard to, to – um, to, uh, to change somebody's mind, even if you have all the, the stats and all the facts out there. No, you're absolutely right. And somebody who's pro-Jordan, no matter what LeBron does, you're going to find, you know, the silver lining. You're going to find the, the criticism. So you're right. There's people I know will literally post up stuff all day criticizing LeBron, and I'm like, okay, enough is enough. And that even goes into my point about Kwame Brown, who really ripped up LeBron because of the last shot. LeBron got partially held up when he was trying to drive, and then the other guy blocked his shot. He had, I mean, you got to give the Nuggets credit. They put on good defense. Me, if I'm defending LeBron and it's a score or you go home, I'm going to defend LeBron as if he's going to drive to the basket. I'm not going to defend him as if he's going to do a pull-up jumper because if he does a pull-up jumper, you kind of want him to beat you on that type of shot versus him driving because driving to the basket is his a number one move. That's like a pitcher. You don't want to lose if you're a pitcher on your second or your third best pitch. You want to lose in your best pitch because I threw my very best pitch. You beat it. You were the better man today and you won. They played LeBron smart. They played as if he was going to drive. They made a great play. They defended it well. LeBron could barely get the shot up, and it didn't go in. It was partially blocked. And Kwame Brown, who was, was trash, I'm putting it nicely, throughout his NBA career, <laughs> ripped him up really bad. And I hate to see stuff like this because one thing that Shannon Sharp did say in rebuttal to that is one thing that I'm actually going to take from his criticism. He said, you never want to be the person who is successful because you took a swipe out of somebody who is successful. You understand? You took a bite out of somebody who's successful and you make a name for yourself because of that reason. That's what Kwame Brown is doing. I'm going to use that. I'm going to steal that from Shannon Sharp. Like, hey, don't make yourself the man or woman by taking a bite out of somebody who's successful. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, be your own person. Um, you know, obviously the comparisons you can't help. Somebody else is going to make those comparisons for you because just like I watch sports all the time, uh, mainly baseball, I compare a, a player that I see now to somebody I watched 20 or 30 years ago. But be your own person. Don't try to don't try to to recreate what's already been created. You know, you, you talk about you're a Yankee fan. Obviously, you have Anthony Volpe, your shortstop, and Obviously, there's going to be that comparison for years to come between him and Derek Jeter, and I get that. There's nothing he can do about that other than go out there and play really, really hard and play his best baseball and his best defensive shortstop. He's never going to be Derek Jeter. It's never going to happen. 
So he needs to identify. He, he needs to create his own identity. Uh, is basically what I'm saying. So I think that's that's a very good point there. And I think that um, you know, in, in the midst of all that stuff with uh, Shannon Sharp, that was definitely a good uh, good analysis there on his behalf. Yeah, I agree with Shannon Sharp, and I think he won that debate clearly because yeah, just just be your own person. And yes, you may not. You know, I mean, it's hard for you to kind of call the kettle black and LeBron James. Okay, yes, he's not going to have the same legacy as Jordan, but he's going to be on Mount Rushmore. He's going to be one of the top five players to ever play this game, whether you like him or not. It is what it is. The guy has just about all the records. Yes, the only thing that's Achilles heel with him is the finals record. And to me, that's not all fair to put it all on LeBron. Some of it is his fault. You know, there's been a couple of the finals that I feel as if handle another way, LeBron probably should have got a ring or two. That's about it. Outside of that, Jordan had Hall of Fame coach, Hall of Fame players. You got to be fair in your criticism. I mean, he had an all-star cast. And I don't feel as if LeBron ever had those type of players around him. Let's just call for what it is. There's been time where he just had him, one or two other guys, and he won some championships. Two at most when he was with the Heat. But still, that's quite a bit off of what Jordan had. You know, it's not fair, but it is what it is. I just think that it's hard to beat perfection, and that's what Jordan is. So I give kudos to to LeBron for trying and giving his all, and he's going to be on Mount Rushmore. He is not a guy that should be disrespected like the way he was by Kwame Brown. I hate to see one brother put down another brother, especially the way he did it. It was uncalled for. And I give Shannon Sharp credit because I love what he said. Some people want to be successful taking a bite out of somebody who's who's already successful. And that's what they want to be remembered for. At the end of the day, you might be trending for a day because of your diss of somebody, of another man. And that's cool and all, but okay, you were trending for a day. So what? You know what I mean? If that means that you have to go and kind of diss somebody to become trending, it's not something I want to do. What are your thoughts on that? Like, would you want to be trending, putting somebody down? No, I think that's, uh, that's, you know, you're stepping on somebody else to, to, you know, get ahead. And I think you need to create your own way. Um, you know, I get that you may have a conflict with somebody and maybe that kind of leads to a little bit of uh, attention on yourself, but to step on somebody else and put them down to, to raise yourself up, that's, that's unfortunately, that's kind of the new school way. I'm, I'm more of an old school personality when it comes to uh, even athletics. You know, there's no need to down the other, the other guy. You know, beat him on the court, beat him in the field, beat him on the, you know, on the ice, wherever you're playing, but the, the personal jabs, I think, are – to me, they're uncalled for. Now, I can get if, if you're rebuttaling to somebody making a comment about you. That's maybe a little bit of a different story. But um, for the most part, I think having respect for the opponent, even if they don't respect you, you, you got to keep doing that. That's just – that's totally uncalled for. And I wanted to throw something else out there, too. Um, not that I'm overly bugged by the gentleman who called in before, but the argument he was trying to make is no different – than people out there saying that Trent Dilfer was a better quarterback than Dan Marino because Trent Dilfer won a Super Bowl. That's it, it, probably one of the dumbest arguments I've ever heard in my life. So I just 
wanted to throw that out there for comparison's sake because I've heard that one before. Oh, Trent Dilfer, he won a Super Bowl with the Ravens, who had one of the top five defenses of all time in 2000. And Dan Marino, who is the Hall of Fame quarterback over and over, only played in one Super Bowl and lost. It's the same argument as saying that Trent Dilfer was a better quarterback. He clearly was not. So uh, we appreciate people listening into the show. But if you're going to call in and make a point, try to make a point that actually makes sense. Um, you know, and then we'll, we'll give you a little bit more credit because that was probably one of the worst ones out there. <laughs> Just <throwing laughs> out there guys. Yeah, you you know, basketball is a team sport. You know, if you, if you that's the way it goes. You know, I I look at you being great. In a team sport, is if you doing spectacular things, but also you have to make the guys around you better. That's one of the great things about Jordan, is that as he started to get famous and as he started to get all this attention, it was hard for him to get shots off. So what he had to do was pass it to Pippen. He had to give it to Paxton. You know, Dennis Rodman did his thing. He had to rely on other pieces. You know what I mean? One of the best uh, three-point shooters. Actually, they had two of the best three-point shooters in the early 90s in Chicago. You had uh, B.J. Armstrong and you had John Paxton. And then a little bit later on in that second three-peat, probably the greatest rebounder of all time in Dennis Rodman. I know he had some weird quirks about him. He kind of, you know, I think he kind of liked the attention and, and being a little bit um, out in the left field uh, on the basketball court, uh, so to speak. Um, but he was a heck of a player and a great teammate from everything I've ever uh, heard and read about him. So um, that was the great thing about those Bulls teams in the 90s, too, is you had guys, not everybody was going to score 69 points like Jordan did in March of, two, uh, March of 1990, his highest scoring game ever. Um, you, you weren't going to have that every night, but you had guys that were really the top two or three at each position they played. And then you had one of the best coaches of all time in, uh, in Phil Jackson. So, all those things lined up. I'm just throwing out there more statistics and more facts that I think solidify against any argument that was made previously on the show here tonight. So, <laughs> yeah. And, and to your point, I believe it was the fifth or I would say the fifth or sixth ring that Jordan got is that he had to dish the ball off to Paxton who made that shot, who was wide open. Yep. You know, he had to trust his teammates. You have to trust your teammates. Like, Yes, you're the man, and Jordan was the man, but it got to a point where he was getting double teamed and he was getting so much attention that he had to kind of not be the guy taking that last-minute buzzer beater. It was a better shot for him to pass it to someone else who's open. You know, and Paxton, who's a knockdown shooter, he did his thing, you know, and they won a championship. You, just because you're great doesn't mean that you're going to get 100 points a game. May he rest in peace. Kobe Bryant was a phenomenal scorer. He was. You know, and there has been some guys that scored in this league, but you have to be able to get guys around you better. And to your point, Dennis Rodman, yes, he was a guy who loved attention. Yes, he was eccentric. But on the court, this guy was phenomenal. I mean, his rebounding ability was second to none passing he was not a selfish player on the court he was flat out a hall of famer now off the court he had you know he had Dennis love to get his attention you know and props to Dennis Rodman by the way I did see I followed Dennis Rodman on Instagram props to him because 
he went to a autograph signing in Chicago, and there was a, a guy who had like a two-foot bobblehead, literally two feet tall. It was really cool <laughs> of, of Dennis Rodman with, a, with a, the Larry O'Brien trophy, you know, and the championship trophy, and he was holding it, and it was a cool – and he signed it. He he had gave a beautiful autograph too. So props to Dennis Rodman for doing that. You know, coming out to Chicago and hooking up people with some. And you could tell when somebody's trying to sign something nice too. He took his time and he signed it nice and big. And he even posted up on Instagram. So I saw it. I was like, man, I liked it. I was like, man, that's cool, man. Man, that's awesome. Good stuff there for sure. So. So, Alan, as we uh, wrap up the show here tonight, I know you wanted to give your uh, thoughts on the XFL documentary, Player 54. Um, some more players are going from the XFL to the NFL. And then, of course, uh, the boxing news you wanted to get to. Go ahead. Yes, that's right. And thank you so much for that. And the XFL documentary, Player 54, you guys got to check it out for a lot of reasons. But I definitely wanted to give the XFL props because – on episode nine, yours truly makes a cameo appearance. I mean, you see me in the background of episode nine, which I didn't think I was going to end up being on the episode, but I'm glad I watched it because I saw myself on the documentary clearly. And and so definitely watch Player 54. It's on ESPN Plus. You can watch it. It's on. You'll see me at episode nine at the very end of the show where Danny Garcia talks and then they go to the field. You'll see just like you saw me and you see me right there on the field with uh, right next to Luis Perez. And it's a great documentary props to Luis Perez because they gave you some insight of how smart Luis Perez, who got the MVP is. I was really impressed that they did a scene where he was in his hotel room doing some X and O's and breaking down a play and showing, okay, this, you know, this defender is going to go this way. My guy's going to go this way. This guy's going to make a curl route. This guy's going to go long. I mean, it was just so many details that you had to know on this one play. And it just shows you that you need to know a lot to be a quarterback and any little mistake or somebody doesn't do their assignment. It could be a pick. It could be a disaster. You know, you're just one bad miscommunication away from greatness or just misery. And I was impressed how prepared he was for this game and why they they beat the DC defenders. I would have to say they were they were more prepared than the DC defenders on the X and O's. And it showed in this documentary behind the scenes, stuff that you did not get a chance to see. You know, even with me covering the XFL, you know, you can't cover somebody in the hotel room, and that's basically what he did. I mean, what are your thoughts on that, Aaron? Quarterbacks having to know a lot about the game. Well, I mean, you're you're the signal caller, so you really have to know the playbook left and right. You got to know it backwards. Um, you know, it's not an easy thing to do, and it takes a special mind to be able to function through all that and make sure that you're making sense of all of it and, you know, obviously lead the team as well. So you got a lot riding on your shoulders. You got to know all the plays. You got to be able to lead these other guys on your team and you got to have the physical ability to, to throw the ball and have the accuracy and that kind of stuff. So 
I think quarterback has always been, it's an intriguing position. It certainly is the most important position on the offensive side of the football. And I think it's the most important position in the game, to be quite honest with you, because I'm not saying that other positions aren't, aren't smart or, or, or they're dumb or anything like that, but you're kind of coordinating everything. You know, they used to talk about Peyton Manning a lot, when he, especially was, when he was in Indianapolis in the, the prime of his career. And no one can really remember who the offensive coordinator for those Colts team was. Uh, and, and so people would say, well, it's Peyton Manning, of course. And that's, that's very true. You, you are really the one running the show. All plays come through you. The only guy who touches the ball more than you do is the center. So, um, you know, it, it's a hard position to play. We talked to a great one here a few weeks or a few months back in Steve Spurrier, and, and he certainly indicated the same thing. Not an easy position to play. It takes a special mind. And um, being able to remember and, and memorize all those plays is, is certainly not an easy task. No, you're absolutely right. It's not an easy task. And, and I got a chance to – I've got a chance to watch some quarterbacks do it, but he did it at another level that was just remarkable. You know, not only did he know where his guy was going to be, he knew where the other team's guys were going to be. So that's something that you need to know. So props to Luis Perez. And and I definitely wanted to give props to Lucky Jackson. You know, Lucky Jackson was a guy I interviewed the day before the championship game. And I knew just by watching some of the games of the DC defenders that Lucky Jackson was going to get an NFL invite. In fact, I said it in the interview and I said it off camera that, Hey man, your invites coming. And less than two weeks later, not only did the invite come, he signed with the Minnesota Vikings. And he even, I even said to him on his Instagram, I told you so I said it. And he said, yes, you sure did. You know, so that was really cool. So big props to lucky Jackson. And you know, it's just, I just called it like this guy's going to get an invite. And people started criticizing me because they were saying, hey, you know, I was dumb or stupid because I said he should get an invite before the season was technically over for him. You can't give him the invite till the season's over. Point is, having the conversation about him getting an invite is the important thing. Because once the season's over, it's not as easy to interview him. He goes his way, goes back home and the season's over, you don't have that privilege of getting to guys once the season's over. By not having the conversation, you don't know if that's something that the NFL or another team is interested in. They may not have seen what we saw. So, hey, when you're in the media and you bring something up, regardless of being right or wrong, the fact that you're bringing attention to it is what you want to do. What are your thoughts on, on bringing attention to a subject, first and foremost? Well, it's a good thing to do that for sure. I think that the criticism that you got was probably more or less probably those people not having the wherewithal to, to beat you to it, so to speak. They probably were critical of you because they were probably thinking to themselves, hey, I should have thought of this and said it out loud. Um, I don't know. I, I, I bring in awareness or, or to a topic. You know, I, I think it's up to individual guys what they want to do, but I think that was certainly you spoke it into existence for him, and that's, that's really cool. I, I think uh, – I mean, you may never do that again. So what a really neat opportunity there for sure. Yeah, and that was, that was fantastic. I spoke into existence, and it came to fruition less than two weeks later, and he was appreciative of it. And, you know, he's, he's upward and onward to the Minnesota Vikings. He's going to have some great teammates. 
So we wish Lucky Jackson the best. And there were some additional players that got signed by the XFL. Definitely wanted to, now they count, I believe it was five. I could be off, but it's in the 60s now. I'll just say that it's well within the 60s now. It's not in the 50s anymore. The the count keeps running. So off the top of my head, there was about five more players that were invited today. So I'm going to say it's around 63. I could be off, but it's in the 60s. So don't hold me to that. I'll keep you guys updated on the exact number. But props to the XFL for giving these guys the opportunity. One thing that I did love about what Danny Garcia said towards the end of the documentary was XFL is the league of opportunity. The opportunity could be a few things. You getting an invite to the NFL. It could be you getting an invite to come back to play another season. And it could be you starting your own business. And now that you've had a year or time underneath the XFL, that could be something that could help you. So an opportunity doesn't mean all one thing. Everybody gets to go to NFL. An opportunity could be something different for different people. A great opportunity for you. And props to Danny Garcia, The Rock, and Jerry Cardinal for doing their thing. I do have to ask, though, if Jerry Cardinal is still part of the ownership team. I'm not sure yet. He wasn't at the championship game, and they really didn't talk much about him in the documentary towards the end. I will get clarity on that a little bit more. But what are your thoughts on that right there, Aaron, that an opportunity could be different for someone else? Well, opportunity looks different for different people. Um, you know, obviously not every door is the same size or the same shape. So for some, you know, like you mentioned before, some of these guys, the uh, 50 or 60 or, or however many it has been, they're getting an opportunity to go to the NFL. Um, that's their opportunity. Some, some guys, it's an opportunity to come back and play again. And I think the neatest thing that you said there, because football doesn't last forever, is an opportunity to show maybe some personality skills or maybe – you know, look at how many players or former players rather go into either becoming an agent, they become, um, you know, people in commercials, they become a broadcaster, um, you know, a scout. So there's a lot of different opportunities there, more than just the ones we see. In fact, the ones that are behind the scenes, Alan, those are the ones that are probably more prominent than, hey, I'm going to turn into a superstar player. Most of these guys that are playing in this league, and this is the same for the NFL, so this is not a, a criticism of the XFL, a lot of these guys in both the XFL and the NFL and the USFL, for that matter, 10 years from now, unless they were like a superstar player, we're not going to really remember too much about them. So it's very important to have that door to whenever all this ends, that door to the next thing that allows you to make a living and you know live a good life. Exactly. And that's right. And that's why I, I really love the XFL is that it gives you an opportunity and opportunities. You're right. are different sizes, different shapes and come in different forms. You could be because of your experience with the XFL, it might get you something behind the scenes. It might help you organize a great business team. It might help you get into the NFL. It's an opportunity is an opportunity. And I think that's what she said so eloquently. And I agree with that that, hey, an opportunity might be different for somebody on this, on an XFL team. You might become a coach because of it. You never know. But I will keep you guys up to date with the XFL and things that are going on. I really want to give props and thanks again to the XFL for putting, you know, yours truly on the, on the documentary. That was really cool. 
And so, guys, check out the XFL documentary, Player 54. Well done. Nine parts of the series. And I wanted to go ahead and talk about some boxing news. Just wanted to give you guys a review of the Devin Haney and Lomachenko fight. The fight ended up being pretty much like I predicted. I felt as if Lomachenko was going to probably give Haney a very, very, very good fight, which he did, and then some. In fact, I would say that it was a very, very close fight. If I had to pick a winner, I would agree with most people. Lomachenko probably won by a point, maybe two. However, I just like I told you guys too, unless it's a slam dunk nowadays, they don't usually give the belts from the challenger to the champion unless you make it pretty clear and concise. That's how boxing is. That's how it goes. So there was no surprise to me. I felt as if it was going to be a very close fight. If anything, Lomachenko was probably going to win by a point or two, but he still was not going to get the, the, the decision. And especially being that it was going to be one guy was going to get walk away with four belts, I felt as if the judges needed to see something clear and concise. It was close enough where it wasn't clear and concise. I felt Haney did some good work. I felt Lomachenko did really well. One thing I have to say about Lomachenko, he's a very, very good fighter, but I wish he would start at least two rounds sooner to really build up his work rate. He starts his fights off a little too late. And by the time you start bringing on the heat, yes, you win some rounds, but it's kind of hard to kind of make up as much ground when you're losing so many rounds. So that's the only FYI I would give. But yes, I agree. Lomachenko probably did win by a point or two, if anything, a draw. But like I told you guys, Haney was going to end up winning. And sure enough, he did. He got the decision. Although it'd be controversial, he wasn't going home without the belts. That's how boxing is now. You got to have to make it kind of clear and concise. Otherwise, you're not going to win. What are your thoughts on that aspect, Aaron? No, I very, very good analysis there for sure, Alan. Um, I, obviously, you're the boxing expert out of the two of us, so <laughs> you have a little bit more of a uh, of, a, of a, a look at it. But yeah, no, I agree. I think that um, it, 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 boxing is certainly a lot different now than it was, let's say, 30 or 40 years ago. Um, it's changed just like any other sport has. It's changed in a lot of ways and the analysis part that you just gave there with, you know, the points and, and whether it was a draw or whether it was an undisputed win, that's even different now than it was 20 or 30 years ago or 40 years ago. So I'm um, glad that you have those insights there. I, you, I remember you called this one uh, a week or so ago um, and you were dead on on it. Yeah. You know, thanks. I appreciate that. And, <laughs> but the great news is the great news is you're going to have officially this, the Errol Spence Jr. fight versus Crawford, Bud Crawford, Terrence Bud Crawford fight is official. It's a signed fight. It's going to happen July 29th. That is going to be a mega, mega fight. The biggest fight, I would say, since Pacquiao versus Mayweather, and I would even go further than that. I would say it's even bigger than that because these two guys are in their prime where I felt as if Mayweather and Pacquiao was towards the end of their prime. These guys are still in their prime. And it's going to be, I wish it didn't make, I wish they made this fight sooner, but better late than never. It's going to be a mega fight. Not only that, this fight, I will say this much. I will let the listening audience know of the Allen and Aaron Sports Radio Show. I am going to do my very best to try to make this fight 
happen where we get to cover the fight. We will see if we're blessed with the media credentials. But if we're blessed with the media credentials, I would be far-fetched and not showing up for this fight if I could logistically make it, which it probably it is looking like I could because where the fight is in the summer, the kids are out. It's easier for me to make things like this when kids are out of school than it is when they're in school. So I'm going to put it in request to get the credentials. I know there's going to be a boatload of people try it too. We will see, but I, I love our chances. With us getting the credentials, you have my word that I will be there covering this fight. It's going to be a mega fight. Being I'm a big boxing fan, this is a fight that I really need to see. And I really would love to cover the fight. Both guys, I will let you know my prediction a bit closer to the fight. I already pretty much have a good idea of what to expect, but I won't let that out now. You're going to get that later. But I will let you know that, yes, I am trying to make things happen so that we can cover the Spence versus Crawford fight. And I was speaking in existence. We're going to get the credentials to do it. So <laughs> there we go. You know, there, go. there you go. So I'll give you, keep you guys in tune with that. But yes, it's going to be a big, big fight. Errol Spence versus Crawford. I'm glad and happy that this fight is signed that they're going to do it. It would, did want to let the listening audience know that, they did agree to this fight, but they also did agree that there is going to be a rematch. So whoever wins the fight later this year, there will be a rematch. That is in the contract within 30 days of after basically the fight, they have to basically do a rematch. Not within 30 days, do a rematch, but they have to agree, basically. Yeah. They have to agree to a rematch. So they will be a rematch, basically, with this contract, regardless of who wins. But just so you guys know, there will be a rematch. That won't be hearsay. That will be a fact. There will be a rematch. And I'll keep you guys up to date. And I'll definitely, we're going to make things happen at the Allen and Aaron Sports Talk Radio Show with you guys as fans and with our great listeners and, and great sponsors. You guys make this possible. We're going to give you more insight as much as we can behind the scenes on the Spence Crawford fight. That's going to be coming up soon. And definitely, we got to thank Chef G's and let you take it over, Aaron. Yeah, definitely want to thank Chef G's Barbecue Sauce once again. Uh, Chef G's for the barbecue sauce, so delicious and addicting. You may need a support group, so I want to thank him for uh, excellent sponsorship. I want to thank Lou uh, for calling in right at the top of the show and uh, giving us his insight. Don't forget his show tomorrow night between 4 and 6 Eastern Time. That is the Enhanced Sports Show, and they are also on YouTube TV. Or, sorry, YouTube rather as well. Um, For Alan, this is Aaron signing off. Have a great weekend, everybody. Thank you for listening to the Evan and Aaron Sports Talk Podcast. Subscribe and check us out on your favorite social media platform. Thank you.